Hey guys, this is your host Gooby, and welcome to the Toon Balloon Podcast, our outlet to discuss, theorize, and enjoy our favorite webtoons with the occasional anime and manga sprinkled in between. In this week's episode, I will be discussing another huge arc from the ever-popular webtoon series, Lore Olympus. I will be diving into episodes 166 through 171, also known as Run For Your Life, parts 1 through 5. I will be discussing the situations that led to the end of this arc, character interactions, and much, much more. If you love Lore Olympus, then please consider supporting the lovely creator, Rachel Smythe, by checking out the many options to pre-order the upcoming Lore Olympus hard copy. There are several different ways to pre-order a version of this upcoming release. Many have different types of freebies and bonuses exclusive to who you order from. Based on previews of the book itself, you will not be disappointed. It is absolutely gorgeous. Lore Olympus merchandise can also be purchased at Hot Topic and from my own personal experience at Box Lunch as well. You can find cups, backpacks, hoodies, and so much more. So if you are interested in supporting the creator, then you can go check out the links in the description box below. Before we jump into the discussion, I will provide a short summary of each chapter and then we'll chat about it. There will be spoilers, so you have been warned. Now, let's talk Lore Olympus episodes 166 through 171 by Rachel Smythe. Episode 166 starts off with Ampelus informing Eros that they are given a task, or shall I say tasks, by Aphrodite. Eros looks over the list after exiting the shower, and Ampelus is seen gazing at his abs. Eros is shocked to see such a long list and is informed by his parents that Ares had unplugged the fax machine to use the popcorn maker, which caused the tasks to back up. Eros speaks to Aphrodite privately, asking for a hint of Sykes' whereabouts, and she only says that he is close. We then move on to a panel of Daphne getting back home from a run. She is greeted by her roommate Echo, who hasn't seen Daphne in a while since she was visiting Persephone. The two gossip for a bit, and Daphne announces she'll be visiting the mortal realm. Echo mentions that she is working up a plan to have Hera's sons visit her while she is recovering. Eventually, Thanatos enters the room and he agrees to take Daphne to the mortal realm. We then move on to another panel of a frustrated Hermes thinking over all of his interactions with Persephone, whilst reminiscing a conversation he shared with Artemis recently. Eventually, Apollo enters the home and Hermes essentially tells Apollo he needs to speak with his very upset sister. We then are given an ominous narration of these groups of people. Three gods, one nymph, and one mortal woman about to all embark on journeys that will collide together, leading to a disastrous end result with one not returning to Olympus. 
My first thoughts for this chapter was that Rachel Smythe really nailed the fan service for readers this episode. Like, I remember when this initially came out, I was seeing shirtless arrows swarm the internet since, you know, abs. <laughs> and it wasn't just the fandom it was working on. It was also working on Ampelus. I also love that we get to see Eros's sibling with their little hamster again. Someone please pay attention to him. And you know what? My wish came true because dad of the year, Ares, is shown later in the chapter cuddling up with the hamster. Oh, so sweet. I think this chapter offered a lot of cute sights into the household and I love it for that. Now, the list that Eros is given is quite the list, and by the looks of it, Eros just desperately wants to find Psyche. Something I think I will touch on later in this episode is whether Eros figured out that Ampelus is Psyche, because at this point, he is still so clueless of her whereabouts, and I don't know if he just doesn't connect the dots because he only retains one image of her. I mean, if someone was going to hide away, you wouldn't think that it was someone by your side in a disguise. You would assume they were stuffed away somewhere. At least that is the presumption he had. I feel like if the two um, Ampelus and Arrows had done something together that is reminiscent of their past, I think that could help it click. Like if they kissed or if they talked about something only they knew between each other. So after this part of the chapter, we get to see Daphne and Echo together. And by the looks of it, they haven't seen each other in a good bit since Daphne has been hanging out with Persephone. Their bits of gossip is cute because I love that they are so friendly with one another. A real friendship between strong women. They're very honest with each other too because Daphne is very upfront about her concerns when she tells Echo that, you know, to be careful when it comes to messing with family dynamics if when you know with her getting the boys back together so anyways it's also very kind of echo to go the extra mile for Hera to have her sons visit her it seems like a challenge considering Hephaestus not having the best relationship with his family but this still is such a sweet gesture and I like to think that echo is really forming a good bond with Hera and it's not becoming something malicious because I know I was very suspicious of Echo in the beginning since she kind of just showed up out of nowhere and she has a history in the myth of kind of betraying Hera in a way. So I hope that doesn't happen. It seems like Echo really does care about Hera's feelings and actually is concerned for her as a friend. And I really I like that dynamic between the two of them. So anyways. <laughs> Thanatos just appears and asks Daphne about her run. I'm guessing he is just a regular guest and maybe he stays over sometimes. Uh, the relationship at this point is, I'm assuming, something similar to a talking stage. They are getting close and Daphne suggests to him that he could do more things with her since she'd make it fun, like running. <laughs> this ship is so cute because I love how honest she is with him. <laughs> And the next part of this chapter touches on what Hermes has been doing under quarantine. Now Hermes is such a fun character and to see a side of him showing concern over his friends is so interesting. You can tell that with him 
having time away from everyone, it's given him a chance to look at interactions in his life more deeply. For one, he looks over all of the times that Persephone has shown discomfort around Apollo, and when he sees Apollo again, he does ask Apollo a very specific question regarding what he was doing that night they all spent time together. Hermes is a really good friend, and it's nice to see that Persephone could have one more person in her corner, because I know Hermes would not back down if he knew of what happened to her. And I really feel like with them having a longer history with each other, he probably would do a lot to back her up in anything. So Hermes is very standoffish with Apollo, and even he can tell something is up with the poor excuse that Apollo gave him as an answer. They also mention how Apollo needs to speak with Artemis himself, which Apollo doesn't want to do. And I wonder why. Could it be he actually values Artemis's opinion of him? Or is it something more sinister? Does he not want to hurt his sister? Uh, I know Apollo is a delusional butthead and he thinks he did nothing wrong, but I also feel he doesn't want to have the possibility of Artemis being his enemy. That is his twin sister and I assume that they just have a much larger significant connection than we presume by what we see of the two of them. So could her going against him foil his own plans or does he need her for his own gain? Also, this chapter ends off with an ominous message with only one soul to not return to Olympus. And considering that we will hear who that is later on, I will touch on all of the hints to this in chapter 171. Episode 167 starts off with Hades greeting Hephaestus by calling him his favorite nephew. The two discuss a project that they have been working on together, an AI named Atna. Hephaestus then demonstrates a hologram of Atna which leaves Hades impressed. As Hades attempts to ask how long Hephaestus has been working on this project, he notices that he is distracted by Persephone outside the meeting room. Hades offers to introduce him to her, and we then get this adorable meet and greet between Hephaestus and Persephone. Persephone introduces herself as a felon, and Hephaestus is just surprised to see her happy. Persephone then attempts to shake Atna's hand to find that she passes right through the image. Just as Persephone is informed of Hephaestus play a large role in underworld tech, Ares chimes right in. This freaks everyone out considering he just appeared out of nowhere. We then move on to the Leto residence, where we see Leto and Apollo having a big discussion on Leto's failed efforts to convince Persephone to go to Apollo. Leto mentions that Apollo either lied or is extremely delusional over a relationship with Persephone. Leto says there is nothing they can do as Persephone is in love with Hades. So the best thing they can do is have Zeus gift her to Apollo. Apollo says he may have lost his temper with Zeus and could have lost any good rapport with him. Leto then shows her trump card. 
Demeter as a Bird Trapped in a Cage. This chapter is so fun to me because Hephaestus has won a really special place in my heart, and I look forward to his character every time. It's cool to see that he is the source to a lot of the tech that Pomegranate Corp supplies. In reality, he really is the most unappreciated of all the Olympians, considering his tech is what allows for Olympus to live such a modern lifestyle. No one really recognizes what work he does to help their world grow. I'm glad he had his awesome Uncle Hades to express that appreciation he deserves. This is another nice demonstration of Hades' familial qualities. Since he isn't able to have children himself, he plays a wonderful role for his nieces and nephews. We see him connect with Hera's daughter, Poseidon's baby, and now with Hephaestus. Also, Atna is this world's Siri, which is too cute considering she too has a joke function. I love that with the relationship between Hephaestus and Hades, it feels as though he almost plays like a fatherly role for him because I don't think Hephaestus is close at all with his father Zeus. So it's nice to see that he was able to have that almost father, father and son relationship with with and through Hephaestus. So throughout the demonstration, Hephaestus is a little distracted overseeing Persephone. If we remember correctly, Hephaestus helped with erasing those images of Persephone from that SIM card. So to see that she is glowing, he is surprised and happy for her. He even asks her himself if she is happy, which is just a another wonderful aspect to his character and I really appreciate how caring and thoughtful he is of someone he has never met before till now. Also Persephone is really owning her felon status. You go girl. <laughs> Just as everyone is having a good time mingling and whatnot, Ares shows up out of nowhere and I'm assuming he just phased in like most gods can appear out of thin air right? <laughs> Not sure. I love how they all panicked and you can see Hades shielding Persephone from him. Considering their last encounter with him together, I can see why he may engage in with his protective side. This was just some of the most fun and lighthearted parts of this entire chapter. And so now I got to move on to some of the greater parts of the chapter. I'm kidding. I'd rather read more about Hephaestus, but you know, we got to get into the nitty gritty. So we get to see this gigantic golden building that is the Leto residence. Now, okay, I'm going to say this right now. I keep wanting to say Leto because that's how they say it in Full Metal Alchemist. And I know it's Leto. That's how most people I've heard have said her name. So I'm trying my best <laughs> to say Leto. Okay, so we actually get to see her full face this time around. We usually see her face like masked away from like this fog or it looks mystical. And I wonder if she does that on purpose. Like does she only mystify her face for dramatic effects? Like, oh my gosh, I'm shunned away by everyone. You cannot see my mouth no more. <laughs> I don't know, but. Anyways, Leto points out her efforts to convince Persephone were pointless. And she points the blame at Apollo. 
as she states that Persephone cannot stand him. So Leto is aware that Apollo blew it and that he isn't going to be successful at winning Persephone's affections naturally, especially since Leto knows that Persephone is in love with Hades. Also, Leto, I thought maybe you weren't so bad just because you were being honest about Apollo messing things up, but no, you go and insult Persephone essentially calling her a dog in heat. Just ick. And then you go and suggest that Persephone will just have to be gifted to Apollo from Zeus. Yet another ick. So we have a lot of patriarchy issues in Olympus. That's a given. And women are just treated as objects for men. Yeah. So what exactly is Leto trying to gain from all of this if Apollo takes control because I don't think those aspects of Olympus is going to change if she, like if he has himself in the position of power. Also, Apollo's behavior is kind of explained just by the way Leto pampers him. It's not excused, mind you, but it makes sense. No matter how awful her son is, she will still enable that behavior and even reward it by ensuring he gets what he wants. And to top it all off, Leto then shows that she captured Demeter. And how? And wouldn't, and wouldn't this mean that Demeter has heard everything that these two just spoke about? If that is the case, she is going to be livid. This is horrible though. If she managed to catch Demeter, then this will hold a lot of weight against Persephone. They're obviously utilizing her as a way to gain Persephone for themselves. And this could just be disastrous. Episode 168 starts with Persephone and Hades waiting outside the meeting room while Hephaestus and Ares chat. Persephone wants to wait to see what happens after their discussion, which to Hades surprises him and the two playfully begin resurrecting and killing a small plant behind Ares. As this flirty dynamic is happening, Ares is telling Hephaestus that Echo is hoping to have him visit Hera while she is ill. Eventually, Hephaestus has had enough and tells Persephone and Hades to flirt somewhere else. We then move on to find Eros and Ampelus in the mortal realm, discussing their routes. They spot Artemis running around with her animals. Eros mentions he feels he can't be completely honest with her, and this frustrates Artemis. Ampelus wishes Artemis could know the truth. We then see the two get to work. After a small montage of piercing people with mystical arrows, the two begin to chat again. Eros feels that he doesn't know much about Ampelus. The two share a heart-to-heart, -heart, and the chapter ends with the two of them kissing. This chapter was such a joy to read at the beginning because we just have two gods flirting away and the only way that is unique to these two. <laughs> the whole time Ares and Hephaestus are trying to have a discussion over Hera, the two of them are flirting away by killing and reviving a plant. It was adorable, funny, I, I couldn't have imagined it any other way. I'm sure Hecate would have loved for this chaos. 
Also, it's so lax how easily these two were playing with life or death. I think it's a pretty good visual of what their king slash queen dynamic could possibly be like. And Hephaestus eventually tells them to go flirt somewhere else. And honestly, I wish these two could unite as an official couple already, if only under better circumstances. I'm assuming Ares noticed it all happening, but paid no mind since, well, this is Ares we're talking about. <laughs> Hephaestus also shows a lot of concern for his mom, considering their strained relationship. He isn't exactly wishing her the worst, and I'm hoping for a sweet mom and son moment in the future. I'm glad that we got to see the two brothers talk, since this is the first time we've seen them interact in the comic. They're quite chill, if you ask me. Still very much like siblings, but we don't see any real animosity towards each other, so that's really nice to see. The chapter then moves on to Eros and Ampelus as they go over their routes, and Ampelus spots Artemis blowing off some steam with her animals. These could include some wolves that we have seen in the past on her last endeavors. Ampelus asks if Eros is going to speak with her, but due to Eros feeling that he can't be completely honest with Artemis for Persephone's sake, he refuses to do so. Ampelus kind of hints that she may know what the truth is, and Eros feels relieved that she understands him. The two are off shooting some arrows at some mortals, you know, business, and Eros chides that he doesn't know a lot about Ampelus, and hints at the few things he does know about her already. One, that she is a mortal realm nymph. Two, that she had an arranged marriage that fell through. And three, that she is best friends with his mom. Now, some of these few hints feel a little too obvious about her being psych, but I guess Eros could just take it as a normal thing most mortals may deal with, you know, arranged marriage. And still, it's interesting to see her perspective of Aphrodite in this chapter. Ampelus mentions that Aphrodite doesn't have a lot of friends. This seems like a running trend in Eros's family. Considering their position as gods, it's difficult for them to have friends. Eros has his gossipy traits, and he's mentioned that in the chapter, and for Aphrodite, she has the power of love in her hands. She is indeed the most beautiful of the gods, and this can be seen as a threat from other women, and that probably is why it's hard and difficult for Aphrodite to make friends with women in Olympus. It's nice to know that she was able to find companionship through Psyche. At first, there was a lot of animosity because the two of them um, you know, it happened because of a certain incident, but I feel that they have really grown with each other. I think it just helps with gaining Aphrodite's approval as well, that if Eros succeeds with his task to find Psyche, then the potential for a happy relationship has a higher likelihood. Eventually, after all of this talking, and after Ampelus has poured her heart out to Eros, they share a kiss. It just feels like these two just fell in love all over again and it's so beautiful and whether or not Eros figured out that this is indeed his lost lover he was still capable of falling in love with this woman it's a true organic love
episode 169 and 170 will be discussed together in this segment since I feel the events happen as a whole. Daphne and Thanatos are flying down to the mortal realm. Daphne asks Thanatos what it's like being the god of death, which puts into perspective that Daphne is immortal. This upsets Thanatos, but the two brush it off and after they land, Thanatos asks Daphne a good question. What are we? The two become an official couple and share a beautiful kiss. They then part ways and plan to meet at that exact spot later that day. Daphne is seen making her rounds in her homeland by greeting family and friends. She is then seen walking through a forest and putting on the hair clip that Thanatos gifted her before he left. As she exits the forest, Daphne hears Apollo calling out to her and the moment she gazes towards his direction, Apollo is struck by an arrow of hate. We then see a fear-strucken Daphne shaking and crying just by looking at Apollo's sheer presence. Apollo angrily looks for the culprit and chapter 169 ends with us viewing a tearful Ampelus. Now 170 fills in the blanks to how this whole situation came to be, as after the events of 168, Ampelus and Eros break off their kiss. Ampelus is hurt and fears she has ruined her chances of Eros figuring out that she is indeed Psyche. In the midst of her tears, Ampelus notices from her point of view the possibility of Artemis running into Apollo. Ampelus then remembers the powers of the Arrow of Hate and intends to shoot Apollo with the arrow in order for Artemis to see who he really is. Just as she shoots the arrow, Artemis turns away from Apollo's direction and due to unfortunate timing, Daphne is the one who gazes upon the stricken Apollo. Apollo then confronts Ampelus. Just as he is about to unleash his wrath, Arrows storm Apollo's back from Eros himself. Psyche's true form is then exposed and Eros runs to embrace her. Apollo leaves in anger and is then attempting to speak with Daphne. Daphne is distraught from seeing his true self and runs away from the menace. Eros explains the disastrous effects of seeing the truth of an immortal being. The chapter ends off with Daphne running back to the forest and Ampelus and Eros going after her. So to start off first, can we just compare how absolutely adorable this new healthy relationship Thanatos shares with Daphne versus the one he had with Minth? This level of communication is something that I could not have fathomed to have happened between him and Minth. I mean, their whole relationship was unclear and essentially just a benefactor for Minth. I think what Thanatos was capable of doing here, opening up and communicating his intentions with Daphne, is a leap above from before. I truly adore this relationship and I love that Daphne is just as open and vocal about her feelings. She knows what she wants and she doesn't toy with Thanatos' emotions. She embraces them and even returns his affections. It's so cute to read their interactions as they agree to become a couple and I could feel the butterflies through my phone screen before they agree on becoming an official couple. Daphne does bring up the fact that she is indeed mortal. In comparison to other nymphs, Daphne is a flower nymph whose lifespan is not nearly as long. 
Menth is a river nymph, and Atna is technically a mountain nymph. Uh, these two have longer lifespans in comparison considering the longevity of their nature counterparts. If you remember the reason why Persephone inflicted her act of wrath, it was because the mortals ripped the flowers out of the garden, hence killing the flower nymphs. As sad as it is, Daphne will not live for that long, and it is sad to think about. I can relate with Thanatos' gloomy expression. I don't want to lose Daphne. <laughs> and with this in mind, Daphne doesn't seem all that scared of death. She actually embraces it and accepts it, like she does for Thanatos, the god of death. When Minth was having fleeings with both Hades and Thanatos, she never really respected either of the men. In fact, she often degraded them, and I wonder if this is because she felt their jobs were so foul. It's nice to see that both men were able to find someone who accepts both of them. I think it's cute that both women just so happen to be gorgeous pink women with a lot of heart. I noticed that Daphne mentions she's morbid for bringing up death, but I think she's just realistic. Before they part ways, the two of them share a kiss, which is drawn so beautifully, but also it rang up some flags, which I will get into in the next segment. Daphne is seen spending time with her friends and family in her homeland. I love all of the sweet relationships that Daphne shares with everyone. She is a beloved character both for us, but also to her own people. We see Daphne walk about a forest nearby, and she puts on the hair clip that Thanatos gifted her. It's a daisy, and I went ahead and googled some of the symbolism behind the flower. Personally, they are one of my favorite flowers. It says here that daisies symbolize childbirth, motherhood, and new beginnings. Considering the context of the story, this could allude to the beginning of their new relationship or even to a new arc in Olympus. Daphne, sadly, has the most unfortunate timing of having to witness Apollo get pierced by an arrow of hate. Now, if you remember correctly, the arrow of hate is supposed to essentially show people your true self. And based on what Eros mentions later on, that this can be quite overwhelming to see um, the truth of an, an immortal being, such as Apollo, to someone who is mortal, like Daphne. And the thing is, I know Daphne must have seen some awful things after being shown the truth. The poor thing looked petrified, and for good reason. I can't imagine what she was shown, but I know that Persephone is probably not his only victim, and that really saddens me. The moment he was struck, I knew we were reaching the climatic moment of losing someone in this story. Considering that chapter 170 fills in the blanks over how this came to be, we have to start off from where 168 left off, Amplis and Arrows Kissing. As I said before, it's nice to see such genuine love between the two of them. He falls for her yet again, regardless of form. Of course, Amplis is in tears after they have kissed, because although he loves her, he fell in love with her, he doesn't know that it's psych. <laughs> She's worried that she ruined her chances by having him love her in this other form. And it's something that seems like quite the challenge to have your boyfriend essentially cheat on you with yourself. <laughs> and what a twist to have to compete against yourself for your partner's affection. Like, geez, 
Eros leaves her per her request and I wanted to mention something about him. I was hoping that if they kissed, it would have meant that he figured out that this was the love of his life. In the end, Amplis getting pierced by the arrow through Apollo is what unleashed her true form, since the arrow of hate shows people your true self. So I'm guessing Eros never figured it out himself in the end because he was just as shocked as everyone else to see that it was psych. I hope this doesn't affect his bet with his mom because he kind of was supposed to be the one to figure it out himself. Also, Psyche is still a mortal woman. And what is to come after all of this? Will she be allowed to live in Olympus or is there going to be yet another conflict to get their happy ending? I've heard some speculation that Psyche may die at some point and would it become like a goddess of a sort? And I don't know. I don't know. We'll, we'll just have to see what Rachel Smythe's um, interpretation will be. Also, thank you, Psyche, for piercing Apollo with the arrow because, my gosh, someone needed to take a crack at him. <laughs> I'm just glad that it at least was someone that we can appreciate. <laughs> I was getting nervous over the way he was ganging up on Psyche. We know he is capable of awful things. Thankfully, Eros shows up with his storm of arrows, and I just loved that shot of Eros towering over Apollo as he rescued Psyche. That whole scene felt like it should have been a painting on my wall. <laughs> and the two reconcile. And it is so touching, but I'm here thinking to myself, okay, so yay, you found each other, but there is this purple blob running around about to get Daphne help, please. <laughs> and with this in mind, Apollo is seen making a move to get a hold of Daphne, but she manages to get away after biting Apollo. Also, a comment from Raincloud off of the Webtoon app made me laugh after reading this chapter. They essentially said that Daphne is going to need a rabies shot after this since Apollo is nasty. <laughs> it's true though. She managed to draw blood or ichor or ichor. I can't remember how you say that. After essentially chopping his hand. And similar to how Persephone drew blood from Apollo when she confronted him in the past, uh, Daphne drew blood from him when she bit him. So I have seen that comparison drawn a lot lately um, through like Instagram and other accounts. So now that we have made it to here, it is time to talk about the pivotal run for our lives. Episode 171 is the most tragic tale in our lineup of chapters. This chapter follows up on the events of 170 as Daphne is seen running away from Apollo. Apollo is continuing to attempt to gaslight Daphne to no avail as Daphne has seen the truth and refuses to be caught by him. After Daphne proclaims that she will tell everyone what he has done to Persephone, Apollo then decides he is no longer holding back. We see him smiling, menacingly, and unleashing a golden light from his body as he chases after her. Eros and Amplis use the light to aim arrows 
at Apollo, but Apollo shoots another back, and Eros is shot in the arm and seen falling from the pain. Eventually, Apollo is getting creepier with Daphne as he follows. He attempts to sing to her, but once Daphne continues to affirm her stance, Apollo threatens her life. Daphne comes up with a plan quickly. She is to hibernate once she reaches Demeter's sacred ground. She manages to escape Apollo, but is unfortunately stuck in a tree form that only Demeter can reverse. Thanatos is then seen waiting, and waiting for Daphne at their spot at night. Just as he is about to leave, Echo rushes to his side and notifies him of Daphne's state. The final panel we see is of Daphne as a tree, looking up at the hair clip Thanatos gifted her and smiling. The moment I saw the chapter become available and saw the music note in the thumbnail, I knew this was going to get sad. <laughs> I know a lot of us saw it coming, but having to see the one myth about Daphne and Apollo becoming canon in Lore Olympus still really hurts to read. The most resilient and confident character in this series was cornered so much in this chapter. I'm glad that the one thing she was able to hold on to was that hair clip. It was a sign of hope and, as we mentioned before, new beginnings. This is going to be the beginning for a lot of characters in this series. For Thanatos, Eros, Psyche, and Echo, it will be a big beacon of change. I can't stand Apollo, and honestly, I don't want to speak much on his gaslighting tendencies, but I wish more characters knew of his dangerous characteristics. He's a hazard to everybody. I'm glad that Echo was able to get a hold of Thanatos and we were able to avoid a complete misunderstanding because he needs to know that Daphne was there for him and that the last thing that she thought of was him. Now, as for Daphne's fate, do you think she'll be able to return to us? I believe so, since she alludes to Demeter having the ability to do so. But considering that Demeter is in captivity, thanks to another person of Apollo's family, Leto, this could take a lot longer than a few days uh, that Daphne anticipates. Maybe the real rescuer will be Persephone. If she is capable of grasping her powers as a fertility goddess, then I know she'll be able to save Daphne. This just feels right for Persephone to save her friend, who is a flower nymph. It would just be such a good parallel to her act of wrath. Instead of losing a sister, she saves one. I did want to talk about the many hints and foreshadowing to Daphne's fate, because there were a lot of them ever since the first part of Run For Your Life. There is quite a bit alluding to everything. So for one, Daphne is first seen in the arc coming back from a run, which is something that by the looks of it, she is pretty good at doing because she was able to outrun Apollo and save herself. So that just means that exercise saved her life. In 168, I think that chapter alone was just a complete send-off episode for Daphne. The first thing they talk about is death, and essentially her acceptance with it, and not being afraid of the topic to discuss. 
that's one flag. And then we proceed to have her kiss with Thanatos, which, you know, it's beautiful and it was sweet and it's something that we have all been waiting for, but also that it felt like the kiss of death. So there's another. Not to mention, they continued to say to each other that they will see each other later, which just started to feel ominous considering that she would be alone in her time in the mortal realm. Out of everyone that was going to the mortal realm, it felt the most likely that Daphne wasn't going to be able to protect herself if something bad was about to happen. I'm just glad that she was able to escape. And so I'm just so thankful for that. It felt like all of these hints were just setting us up for heartbreak. And then 168 had us spend a lot of time with Daphne as we see her connect with family and her impact on other people in her homeland. This is just a good way to really gut punch the readers because first <laughs> we're spending a lot of time with her, falling more in love with her, and then right when it's about time for her to go, it makes us cry. <laughs> and I wish it didn't come to this, but I feel that Daphne's fate will be a catalyst to a lot of story arcs and character development. Plus, it will be a huge motivation for Persephone because I know she will not give up on her. Also, will Artemis ever figure out how awful her brother is? Like, I'm seriously hoping that at some point she will find out because isn't she like the protector of maidens in the myth? I'm really hoping that she can finally earn that title if she does in this story. I'm hoping that we just get a lot of characters reacting to the news because I know Daphne is very popular in Olympus and which is why she was able to leave her homeland and become a city girl. So. This is going to spread. The news will spread, and I wonder how the public will handle it. How did you feel after what happened in the Run For Your Life arc? Do you think we'll see Daphne again? How do you think Apollo will be handled after this? And do you think Artemis will ever hear the news about it? Let me know your thoughts and opinions of what we discussed today in this episode by messaging me through either of my social media handles. Both my Twitter and Instagram handles are at the Toon Balloon. I would love to hear from you. Also, definitely tell me any other webtoons, anime, or manga you are interested in. I may talk about them in future episodes. The Toon Balloon podcast can be listened to on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, YouTube, and more. Now, let's end this episode of the podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today and taking the time to listen to my humble podcast. I look forward to talking with you again. This is the Toon Balloon Podcast. I was your host, Gooby. See you next time.